Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Between the Lines. I'm your host, Amar Pingalia, and with me are my guests today, Eric and Arjun. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the NBA. So let's get right into it. Number one on the list, Kyrie demands a trade from Cleveland, and he said his top four destinations are the Knicks, the San Antonio Spurs, Minnesota Timberwolves, or Miami. Arjun, what's your take on that? What's good, guys? Yeah, so Knicks, a hometown team, but like other than that, it doesn't really seem like that makes much sense. Uh, from what I know about Kyrie and uh, Cleveland, he's a competitor in the three straight finals, probably looking to win a chip with the next team that he moves to. So unless he wants more of like a Carmelo situation, I don't really think New York makes much sense. No, I actually disagree with that. I think New York's kind of the perfect place for him. If you do a one-for-one trade with him and Melo, and if New York throws in a draft pick, you're kind of happy if you're Cleveland. You get a different mix there. And then also you get to grow that core of Porzingis and Kyrie, which I think is a good young core and it's going to put butts in the seats there. It's going to sell tickets. Yeah, I'm a little bit with Arjun on this one. Going to the Knicks doesn't make any sense to me. That whole organization's pretty dysfunctional. Chris Dapps didn't even show up for his exit interview. He just doesn't want to be there. San Antonio was just reported that, I mean, that's one of the top destinations for Kyrie, but they just can't offer anything back to Cleveland that Cleveland wants. Uh, Miami would just be for the lifestyle. I mean, you're in South Beach. They're not really going to make any make much noise. Uh, one thing I did, one team I didn't have a list was Phoenix, but that's also kind of just like Miami. It's just for a lifestyle for him to be the guy, but you're not really going to go anywhere. So for me, the team that makes the most sense would be Minnesota. Um, whether I hope Minnesota can keep Andrew Wiggins, because then that would be a pretty mean starting five. But I mean, if that means giving up Andrew Wiggins back to Cleveland, but you have a Kyrie Butler and Carl Anthony Towns, I think that's still a pretty big three that could compete in the West. Yeah, that, like we're only looking at the teams that Kyrie, you know, said he wants to go to. But at the end of the day, he has no trade clause. Uh, well, he has no no trade clause, and he doesn't really have a choice in uh, what team Cleveland wants to trade him to. So I think the best offer that was given so far was Phoenix. I believe offered uh, Bledsoe, Dragon Bender, and a 2018 first rounder. And apparently that deal would have been done already if they threw in uh, Josh Jackson, fourth overall pick, instead of Bender. So, you know, if maybe they want to go that route, throw in Josh Jackson, then uh, Phoenix Suns might be a good uh, destination for Kyrie. Other than that, like Minnesota, Miami, San Antonio, like these are all teams that doesn't seem like they really have much to offer in return. And with LeBron potentially leaving next year, Cleveland's definitely going to be looking to pick up uh, a lot of uh, young assets to rebuild for the future. Yeah, so on that note, we're going to move on to the second part of that question. What do you think is the real reason for that trade? So, I mean, there's been four kind of theories pumped up out there. It could be a combination of uh, these different theories as well. One would be the main one, LeBron's leaving next year. Kyrie knows this. He wants to head out. Uh, why stay in Cleveland when there's no LeBron? Uh, he's already done that, he knows it's not going to work, and the team is pretty dysfunctional from upper management. Uh, he's tired of being the second option, um, that could also be another theory. Uh, 
he doesn't like LeBron's control of the franchise, which is a, I mean, let's be real, like LeBron's control of the franchise is a very unique situation in the NBA. And it really is just because he's LeBron. I feel like Kobe didn't even have that much control of the Lakers. So it's pretty, it could be frustrating. And lastly, LeBron wanted to swap Kyrie for CP3 last year or last year's off season. Uh, which one of these theories do you think makes the most sense or could be the real reason? I think it's a combination of all of them. Uh, the biggest one though is LeBron's leaving next year. That whole system is built around both of them being key players and the ball moving off of them, high screen rolls going through that offense. Without LeBron there, no, like they don't win. And that's that's a huge factor. It's Kyrie and Love, they don't win together. So if you want to compete anywhere, you need LeBron. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I think 100% LeBron's leaving next year, whether he's going to LA or San Antonio or wherever, it doesn't matter. And Kyrie knows this, LeBron probably told Kyrie in private that, you know, I'm leaving next year. And Kyrie was like, well, I'm not staying. So he's, you know, started the circus. Um, there's so many different theories being pumped out. Like LeBron's furious, he's mad. I'm pretty sure LeBron, every move he makes is a calculated move. So for sure, he's leaving next year. And this, Kyrie obviously doesn't want to stay in Cleveland. I mean, it makes perfect sense. For me, that's what it is, 100%. None of these other theories would work. What do you think, Arjun? For me, yeah, it's, it really is all of the above. So I'm gonna kind of have to agree with you guys there. I think LeBron leaving next year was really the straw that broke the camel's back. With all the rumors, you know, surrounding LeBron in this offseason, you know, where is he going to go next year? Is he, is he going to be Lakers or whatever team kind of the media is talking about? Kyrie is going to be the one that's really stuck picking up all the pieces as LeBron's traded. And Cleveland's already mortgaged a lot of their future in building a championship team around LeBron and Kyrie over these last three years. No draft picks. They don't really have any young talent, anybody coming off the bench at all. So if LeBron's going to be gone next year and Kyrie still has another year left in his contract, Kyrie doesn't really want to be the guy that has to clean up LeBron's mess. Especially when Kyrie, ever since he's been drafted, he was kind of the guy that was given the keys to the, to the franchise, essentially. And, you know, it was told that this was his team to run. And then he found out that in 2012, LeBron was coming back to Cleveland and he would have to take a backseat role from then on. You know, in terms of Kyrie being the second option, I don't really know if that's the biggest factor. At the end of the day, you know, if you want to win a championship, you really need one, two, maybe even three other superstars on your team to even have a shot. And another thing was Kyrie actually had the highest usage rate of his career last year in Cleveland, and he's being trusted to take big shots like we saw in Game 7 in 2015. He made the biggest shot in that series. So, I mean, LeBron, the whole team, the whole city really trust him. Exactly. So when, when you think of Cleveland winning a chip, you think of Kyrie just as much as you think of LeBron. And I think the fans really know and respect that. So it's it really is a combination of everything above. Fair enough. So what do you think the Cavs should do from now on? Do they trade him? I mean, they don't have to trade him just because Kyrie's demanded to trade. Like, Cavs don't have to trade him, um, or do you think they should go ahead and move him? And where do you think they should move him to? Yeah, it is a bit weird if you if you didn't trade him, and you knew the guy wanted out, and then you're kind of stuck having to, you know, piece together two guys that don't necessarily want to play with each other. I think that relationship is it's kind of done, and Kyrie needs to move on to another team. I think Cleveland's best option is to trade Kyrie for as many young assets as you can, but at the same time pick up enough talent so that maybe you can compete with LeBron and love for the 2018 season. And of course, the goal is still to make conference finals, make finals and potentially have a chance of winning the championship. Yeah, for sure. Eric, what do you think the Cavs should do from here on? 
I think the cash should keep them. Bring in a team counselor, sit down, talk it out, sort it all out. <laughs> I don't think it's that difficult because if you don't have a team around LeBron to compete this year, you know for sure he's gone. So you have to try and figure out a way to compete. No, that's a, that's a really good point as well. Uh, I mean, there's been times before where there's been arguments between players. Uh, usually they do end up trading one player, like Kobe and Shaq didn't get along, one had to go. Don't know how well the council think what could work, but if you're the Cavs, you want to keep this team together, I mean, you might as well give it a shot. How does this impact the Cavs next year? Do you think this, if, if say they keep Kyrie, do you think the chemistry there is all whack or how do you think this plays out? I think you end up with some of, a, of a, the situation that the Knicks were in last year where Carmelo wanted to trade and, you know, it was just kind of, they were just kind of thinking about where Carmelo was going to go the whole season and nobody on the team was really concerned with competing and I feel like it, it's, it is a bit unfair to your teammates when you know that one superstar on your team wants out. So you just try to make the best of it and at the end of the day, you know, the East is not the strongest conference. If you have LeBron on your team, you always have a shot at the finals. But yeah, just to kind of build on that a little bit, like the East is kind of a joke, right? Like what is the regular season to LeBron, to Kyrie, to Kevin Love? It doesn't really mean a whole lot. So you get a media frenzy during the regular season, see what happens there, if he gets traded, if he doesn't get traded. But as long as you're ready to go for the finals, it's all really all right. Um, one thing I just wanted to mention: the the media, obviously, they have to they have to run with this story. And NBA and Adam Silver probably absolutely love it because we're talking about the NBA in August when we, nobody really talks about the NBA in August. Um, but one story that was floating up there that just made me laugh a lot was a theory that so Kobe is a big influencer on Kyrie. There, Kyrie considers Kobe to be a mentor. And one of the theories was that Kobe is influencing Kyrie because you know Kobe was the alpha dog. He was the the one man show in LA, and he's. He said to Kyrie, like, you go leave and you go be the one man, like, that's the way to do it. And Kobe actually hit back on Twitter saying, you know, he's retired, he's running an investment company, he's running a media production company, he's running a sports drink company, he has no time to talk to these players. Just totally rebutting uh, what the mainstream media has been saying. So I just thought that was pretty funny and just the media just throwing out every single theory they can right now, just trying to get headlines. Okay, moving on to our next topic. Adam Silver says the NBA may look into possible expansions. Seattle being number one on that list. So we, well, we, I think we agree that Seattle deserves an NBA franchise. Yeah. Crazy good sports fans. Um, my question is, what other cities, so other than Seattle, do you think will be possible landing spots for a team? I think maybe California. You know, it's a big state. Maybe Anaheim or San Jose. They have uh, NHL teams. And I feel like Golden State has really made NBA even bigger in California. So California is always going to be a destination for potential expansion team and maybe even Vegas. The NHL just put a team in uh, Vegas right now, the Golden Knights. The NFL is going to Vegas, the Raiders are moving to Vegas. And perfect, so you know maybe it's a good chance to see how kind of that pilot project works out and potentially put an NBA team in Vegas as well. So you said California but if you had to pick one specific city, what city would you pick? Anaheim. Anaheim? I mean might as well like capitalize on that Los Angeles market, it's huge. What about you, Eric? I was thinking the same thing in terms of Vegas. I think you put an NFL or an NFL and an NHL team in there. You kind of see how it goes for about two years, and then you make a run at it if you think it's a viable option. So uh, I'm gonna put a uh, put a team, another team up in Canada. I'm gonna say Vancouver, um, just because Canada is the the game of basketball is growing pretty big in Canada. 
and everyone just has the Raptors. I mean, they do their preseason tour all across Canada. But I feel like there's a lot of Canadians that end up just being fans like myself. I'm a fan of the Lakers or people, they go down to Portland and they're fans of the Trailblazers. So they really do it by region. Obviously, you're going to get the bandwagoners and like, there's a huge warrior fan base out in Vancouver right now. And like whenever the next big, whether Minnesota becomes the next big team, I'm sure Vancouver will have a huge Minnesota fan base. I think you just need that West Coast Canadian uh, presence if you're the NBA, just looking at it from a geographical perspective. And you know, Vancouver is a pretty big city. There's a constantly growing population-wise, so I definitely think, and they have an arena ready to go, one of the state-of-the-art arenas in North America. So I'm going to go with Vancouver with that one. The NBA also wants to have a greater global presence. Is it time to expand globally and put a team in Europe, such as Spain? I mean, the US and Spain are always fighting for gold medals in Olympics. People in Spain love basketball. They produce some pretty good players too. So do you think it's time to expand globally, whether it's Spain or another country? What do you guys think? I think uh, the travel schedule would be a little interesting if we put a team overseas. I can imagine, you know, teams flying out to Spain and coming back to the U.S. for a back-to-back -back or something along those lines. So I'm thinking maybe we just keep the teams within uh, within the borders of the United States and Canada. <laughs> no, 100% agree with that. Like, yeah, and possibly next you add a team in Vancouver, you're looking to expand outside the States. Maybe you go down to Mexico before you go overseas. Yeah, I mean, from a travel and logistical standpoint, Mexico makes more sense than anywhere in Europe. But I think in terms of growing the game globally, what I think the NBA should do, so there are already Spanish leagues, there's Italian leagues, Croatian leagues. What I think is you would take, what would be a cool idea to do is take, whether it's the NBA champion or just a really good team from the NBA and put it up against the champion of the Spanish league, of the Croatian league, or what other the leagues out there, and do like a small tournament, like six or team tournament. Um, just, I mean, if you want to grow the game globally, you got to do something different because right now it's very uh, North American centered. I mean, that's just one idea that I'd float out there. They do a little bit of that in preseason. Oh yeah, that's great. But uh, I think you could do some of that just through the summer as well. It'll be kind of interesting. All right, we'll move on to our next topic with uh, Carmelo. We're not going to spend too much time on this topic because we talk about this every week. Melo is still open to being traded, and what do you think is the best fit for him? Whether it's Cleveland, Houston, staying in the Knicks. So the second biggest story of the offseason, or first, you know, depending if you're a Knicks fan or a Cleveland fan. I think his time with the Knicks is done. The whole season for the Knicks is kind of being a bit of a shit show and you know with Phil Jackson and Carmelo demanding a trade it's kind of left a bit of a black cloud on the organization even you know KP one of their young and upcoming stars skipped the exit interview just because he was so frustrated with the team's trajectory and where it was heading so I think definitely the best idea for them is a change Carmelo is an aging veteran you can still exchange him for some young assets to help rebuild around KP so I don't think Knicks is the best fit for Mel. I think, like I said before, if you're the Knicks organization, you want to ship him off for Kyrie. I know it's the best way you can unload his contract, you get a young star in return. It's your best bet for building a franchise moving forward. So yeah, I mean, it obviously does really depend on what the Knicks want to do since they're the ones in control. Um, it's not free agency, Melo's not a free agent. But what I would say is, I mean, with Cleveland, easiest route to the finals, and Melo's never been to the finals. With Houston, I think he probably has the best chance of winning the championship, but he does have the harder route to the finals, if that makes any sense. So, I mean, it depends. I think Houston, it'd be 
Like, yeah, James Harden is there and Chris Paul is there, but I think it'd be more Carmelo's team than if he went to Cleveland. Because Cleveland's LeBron's team no matter what. And with LeBron leaving next year, maybe Melo doesn't want to go to Cleveland. Um, I do think the better fit for him as a player would be Cleveland, though, because LeBron's such a good distributor. Uh, James Harden's ball dominant. Chris Paul's a pretty ball dominant point guard. Uh, with Melo needs his shots. Um, I don't know how that would work in Houston. No matter how hard they tried and how many different, like in that D'Antoni offense, how many different plays they drew up for each of the players. Uh, at the end of the day, Harden needs his shots and Melo needs his shots. So, you know what, um, it's a toss-up, but I'll go with Cleveland. I think it's probably the best fit for him. I'm going to say Houston is definitely the best fit for him. And maybe it's more of a selfish reason, but they just added three superstars potentially with Carmelo. Golden State added one last year. So, you know, sign me up for some big four versus big four action in the conference finals. I think that move would be one of the greatest things that happened in the NBA in history. You know, the Rockets are a great organization. We've seen that their GM is willing to take the risks necessary to win a championship. And they have an excellent coach in Dan Tony, who's willing to shape things up and he'll find a way, you know, to integrate three new top superstars and uh, make it fit. And, you know, if they added Carmelo, they're definitely going to be a lot for at least the conference finals. Even without Carmelo, I think uh, they're definitely going to be in the conference finals. Whether they beat Golden State or not, though, that will remain to be seen. All right, our next topic, really quickly. What do you think of the new Nike NBA jerseys, and which one's your favorite? I like the Clippers. They look clean, nice sharp lines, good logo. Looks good. And what do you think about the new Nike NBA jerseys over the Adidas jersey? They look pretty similar. I hear the text a little bit better. They, uh, they get rid of sweat faster. Not that it really matters to the fan too much, but uh, I think it would be good for the players. I'm going to go with the uh, Cleveland jersey. It, especially with the Goodyear logo, it looks, it looks really clean now. And uh, the way they've kind of revamped and moved the colors around, it just it looks a lot looks a lot cleaner. I'm actually going to go with Minnesota, and I know it's got mixed reactions online, but I don't know. I just think it looks really clean. Um, they were due for new jerseys, anyways. Their old ones, they just they've just had that like kind of design and that logo for way too long, and it was very played out. It looked almost cartoony. But I think the new ones are very clean. I'm just. I'm liking the Minnesota, what Minnesota's doing. Uh, next up, so rising star, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He's looking to sign a new shoe deal. Um, he's looking for somewhere in the ballpark of a 10-year, $70 million contract. Do you think that Giannis Antetokounmpo, now you're thinking of you're an executive of one of the shoe companies, is Giannis Antetokounmpo worth all that money? So we're all finance people, so I did a little bit of research and uh, put together a quick comp set for Giannis' shoe deal. And I just looked at you know the 10 top uh, shoe deals that are in the NBA right now, and Rose, Harden, James, KD, and Curry make between you know 15 to 30 million dollars a year in their shoe deals. And then you got kind of Griffin, Willard, Wade, Westbrook, Anthony, and PG making between five and 15 million dollars a year. And one thing these players all have in common is they are top 20 players in the NBA. And I think. The Greek freak is already in this group, and you know, 10 years, 70 million is only seven million dollars a year. So that kind of puts them on the, the bottom end of these shoe deals. So that's going to look like a really cheap deal in a few years if he signs on that, especially with the trajectory that he's been on. I actually think he'll get signed closer to 10 to 12 million dollars, just based on his comp set alone. Yeah, I think as you're an executive. If a shoe company, Giannis Antetokounmpo, like you said, is worth more than 10 years, 70 million. You want to always capitalize on young and up-and-coming players. 
And Giannis is, I mean, the definition of a young and up-and-coming player. He's still pretty young. He's also international, so, he, I mean, there's huge potential for him to sell shoes out in Greece and just Europe. Um, international players do always end up going with Adidas for some reason, just because I think maybe the soccer presence out there. But, I mean, if I'm Nike, I'm definitely going after Giannis. So my, my initial reaction was like, yeah, for sure, this looks like a good deal. But then you think about it, and Milwaukee's not a big team. They don't get national coverage. They don't get TNT games. People aren't really looking at his shoes. And he's not a guard. And as we all know, guards sell shoes. People don't relate to the Greek freak. They don't have the same body type. Yeah, it looks cheap based off his comp set, but I don't think he would really apply in the exact same comp set as Kyrie would. Do you think he's the NBA's next top star? You know, the new wave of stars after LeBron retires. Is Giannis like a top three player in the league? Yeah, I mean, he's only 22 years old. He's only been in the league for four years. And if you look at the top players, top three players in the league currently, what do they all have in common? Well, they're all small forwards between 6'8 and 7 feet tall. They can all score at will from mid range, and they can score at will from the, from the rim as well, too. So it seems like players with this kind of mold and build seem to have the greatest physical advantage in the NBA. And Giannis is seven feet tall. He's a point forward. He looks like KD, but he's stronger like LeBron. And while he didn't have the greatest rookie season, he's made a massive increase in production in the last three years. Just one MIP, and he put up 23, nine and five with almost two steals and two blocks. He can shoot free throws. His field goal percentage is above 50%. If he develops a three-point game, I think he'll be the top player in the league. But even without the three-point game, he's going to be, you know, top three and, you know, maybe top two eventually once uh, the LeBron KD era is kind of coming to a close. Yeah, I think he's two to four years away, but I completely agree with whatever I think just said. Yeah, I feel like when someone drops knowledge like that, you can't really disagree with anything. So. I'm sure he did his facts. <laughs> yeah, he's, Arjun definitely did his homework on that one. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, if he develops a three-pointer, like you said, he might be the top player in the league. Uh, but yeah, he's definitely good. Once the LeBron and uh, KD retire, he's, he's probably a top three in the league for sure. Um, so who should he sign with? If you're now, you, now you're not a shoe executive, now you're Giannis Antetokounmpo. Who do you sign with? Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, or Big Baller Brand? <laughs> Whoever pays him the most money, and you know, if LeVar, that's LeVar Ball, then I say sign with BBB. I go Adidas. I like their, their new tech and their shoes. I like the way the shoes look. I, I like the, the young talent that they have. Yeah, so I was kind of torn on this. I mean, if you, if you go Nike, there's no way he's going to dominate because Kobe's still selling shoes and LeBron pretty much dominates. He's going to dominate Nike until the day he dies, sign that lifetime deal. Uh, Under Armour is Steph Curry, but Under Armour's hit or miss with their shoe designs. And I mean, Curry got a lot of flock on Twitter and online for his uh, his dad shoes or his nursing shoes. So I don't know if, I mean, if you care about looks and stuff, I don't know if you want to go with Under Armour. Big baller brand, I just don't think has the money to pay Giannis and Tetecupo. So, I mean, just process of elimination. <laughs> Not yet. I just, just process of elimination, I think you end up with Adidas. And like I mentioned, he's, uh, Giannis is from Greece. Adidas has huge presence in Europe. And uh, Adidas has been throwing money around lately. I mean, they gave Harden a lot of money. So I think uh, Giannis will definitely get paid. And he'll kind of have more control of what he wants to do with the shoe. Plus, Adidas European presence. All right, number six. Uh, time to kind of put your thinking hats on from last year. Which non-playoff team in 2017 will make the playoffs in 2018? Eric, I'll let you go first. 
the easy answer here is the T-Wolves. Uh, but I'm gonna go with kind of a dark horse of the Pelicans. I think they figure it out. Like I think those uh, their twin towers down low. I think they figure it out. I think Athlete gets so strong that there's no way he can underperform for this much longer. Yeah, and they got Rondo now. And if Rondo is playoff Rondo, I feel like uh, anything is really possible. And he'll be lobbing it up to D Cousins and Anthony Davis all game long. What do you think, Arjun? Timberwolves, definitely the Timberwolves. They just added Jimmy Butler. They added Chef uh, T. Cat's more experienced. Wiggins is more experienced now. I think they're definitely going to be a lock for the playoffs. And uh, I also think the 76ers will make the playoffs as well, too. This is the first time, I think, in NBA history where you're going to have two back-to-back first overall picks who are going to be playing their first season in the NBA together at the same time. And you got Joel Embiid and Darius Saric, both Rookie of the Year candidates. Robert Covington is excellent on defense as well, too. I think they have a really, really young and bright future out of them, and they could make the playoffs next year. That's a very good point. Uh, I'm, for my pick, I'm going to go with the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Lonzo Ball, I think, makes everybody on that team better. Uh, just because of his ability to pass the ball. They got Brooke Lopez, so they, now they're not dealing with Timothy Mozgov anymore. They got a good good center. Uh, Brandon Ingram, I think, will definitely do better than he did in his rookie season, just, just from a growth standpoint. They got uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, a good defender on the wing, and Julius Randle. I don't know if you've seen that picture of him, but he's ripped now, and I think he's just going to be a beast this year. Uh, he's kind of trying to emulate a Draymond Green type of role where he's really active on defense and he does what he needs to do on offense. So for me, uh, I'm definitely going with the Los Angeles Lakers. I think they'll take that eighth seed in the West. All right, so now uh, we're going to end off this episode with just a new segment. Uh, it's called Long or Short. So for those non-finance people, if you're long something, it's basically you're betting for it to happen. And if you're short something, you're basically betting against it to happen. So the first one, Long or Short, Lonzo Ball and his ability to rejuvenate the Lakers. Long. If you asked me after that Kentucky game, I would have said short, but uh, he immediately declared for the draft right after that loss. And, you know, since then, he's he's been really impressive. I think one of the most underlooked parts of Lonzo Ball's game is his leadership ability. Every interview I've seen of this guy, he has the right answer. He's a team player, selfless, looking to make his teammates better. And I think that's a big factor in the locker room and a huge upgrade over D'Lo. And uh, then his, you know, his vision and his length, they really set him apart at the point guard position as well too. So I'm definitely long, Lonzo Ball. Yeah, for sure. And that's the main thing Magic Johnson said about Lonzo Ball over D'Lo is that Lonzo Ball is more mature and he has that leadership quality that D'Angelo uh, Russell was definitely lacking. Uh, what do you think, Eric? Short, 100% short. I think he's too young. I think he's defensive liability. You match him up against any other point guard in the West, he gets absolutely obliterated. Fair enough. All right, moving on to the next one. Long or short? Trusting the process in Philadelphia and having them finally start winning. Long. Before the draft, I would have said, you know, if Embiid can stay healthy for once, the 76ers will they'll start winning. But now they've added the number one draft pick of the 2017 draft. Ben Simmons is healthy as well, too. And Embiid, he's, he's going to come back. He's hungry. So I'm definitely long. Philadelphia's process. Short. I think this. I think the city. I think the team's cursed. 
I think there's going to have some sort of injury problems. I think there's going to be a chemistry and a learning curve as well as that. Two new players just starting their first year in the NBA. Huge learning curve against playing with other guys in college and playing against grown men. I'm also short Philadelphia. I don't think they'll have a winning season. I think they'll definitely improve from last year, but they're not anywhere close to making the playoffs. I'm kind of with Eric on this one. I don't think the city's cursed, but I think there's a huge jump from these guys dominating in college and then in the NCAA and then moving to the NBA. Plus, uh, I mean, all these number one picks, you know, everyone's gunning for them every night. They want to take out these number one picks. They want to show them that uh, they don't really mean much. So I'm definitely short Philadelphia for the upcoming season. Long or short, the new look Houston Rockets making the finals. Short. Last time I checked, they played in the Western Conference. And last time I checked, there was a team that won 73 wins a couple seasons ago, and then they added top two player in the league in Kevin Durant. And we all watch the NBA Finals. They're a purely dominant team. Nobody's beating the Warriors next year. Same position, short, same reasons. Even if they add Melo, they're not getting past Golden State, so short that. Long or short, Cleveland making it out of the East without Kyrie. Super long. Still got the best player in the world on your team. And, you know, I think LeBron's made it to the finals without Kyrie before. And I think he's made it to the finals without Kevin Love as well, too. In the 2015 finals when they swept the Hawks, Love was out the whole, the whole round. And uh, Kyrie was injured since game two. And he's done it before that as well, too. He did it in 2008 with, you know, just a bunch of guys off the street. And he's done it almost every other year since then to some extent. So I'm definitely long as long as you have LeBron James on your team. Can't argue with that. Yeah, you can. I'm going short, Cleveland, especially if they don't have Kyrie. I just think LeBron and Love, they won't be able to do it in every single playoff series. I mean, they could match up potentially with Washington and then you got Boston. And I think both those teams are so motivated to just take out the Cleveland Cavaliers. And with, with Kyrie out and the chance for Washington or Boston to make the finals, they're going to go right at it. They're going to give it all they have. Whether that means they don't perform well in the finals, I think they're going to, that's a chance they're willing to take. And they're just going to go all out. So I'm going to short Cleveland making it out of the East without Kyrie. But you're assuming that they don't get anything in return for Kyrie. I'm assuming that they get an equivalent piece or something just slightly lesser. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I did make that assumption that they would, uh, wouldn't get Melo back or anything for Kyrie. Even if they trade Kyrie to Phoenix and they get Bledsoe and that package, I mean, I still don't see them coming out of the East. Long or short, Paul George re-signing in OKC after this season? Short. I think PG-13 just needed a place to stay for a year before he moves to the Lakers with LeBron. It'll be an interesting experiment with uh, Russell Westbrook. Maybe they'll get 50 wins. Maybe he'll learn a thing or two. But at the end of the day, he's going to want a shot at winning a ring. It's not going to happen in OKC, but hopefully it can happen the year after that with Ron. Long, I think that city's going to give him so much love. I think he didn't get that in Indiana. In OKC, it's going to be completely different. And I think Russ changes game this year. PG can play off the ball, and I think that's a big factor for this team. I'm definitely short, and Paul George 100% signing with the Lakers next season. LeBron's going to join them with Lonzo Ball, might get another piece there, and the Lakers will win the championship after that. All right, so on that note, we're going to end this episode of Between the Lines. We'll be back next week talking whatever happens in the world of sports. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good night.